Welcome back to another episode of Inside Boxing Live. I am Dan Canobio. He is the former WBO 140-pound champion, Chris Algieri. How are you, Chris? How's everything? How was New Orleans, man? Sounded fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I use the word fun, but it's uh, it's a very interesting city. Not my favorite place to visit. Sorry. Sorry, Nolas. But uh, I ate some good food. Nice. Crawfish. The highlight of my trip. Had some crawfish. Had some gumbo. I had some duck and dooley sausage gumbo. Wow. Wee. Probably the highlight of the weekend because it was not a good main event. We'll talk about that first. Uh, but first, before we get into the fights, I want to thank everyone out there. Uh, we got to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's a big number for us. Our goal was 10K. By the end of the year, we got it halfway through. Thank you, everyone out there that has subscribed. If you have not subscribed and you're watching this video, what are you doing? Hit the link. Hit the link and sound off in the comments. You remember I told you it wasn't going to take all year? I told you that straight away. You brought it up. I was like, there's no way that takes all year. No, you're right. And Chris, you're yeah, like, I try to make these these goals that I think are reachable, and you're like, oh, smash those goals. That's why you're the world champ. Like, didn't you say you set out a goal when you were like 12? I'm going to be a world champion. Yeah, and I and I smashed that goal, and I should have actually made my goals much higher. So I'm I'm just I'm just passing on my wisdom from the mistakes that I made onto our show. Thank you, Chris. You're a big part of the success of the show. 10K is awesome, and we're gonna keep on growing. Um, let's get into our first topic, uh, Regis Progre, and we're also gonna talk about Tim Zhu. Uh, this past weekend, we saw Regis Progre in action in New Orleans. You were there on the call for DAZN. I'll just ask you, what the hell was that from Regis Progre? What what happened? I had the chance, you know, obviously we listened to his post-fight interview. I got to uh, speak with him yesterday while I was on the, uh, the Sean Porter Portaway podcast. Um, Regis was a guest on the show and he was kind of, you know, he, he was, he was sticking to what he said. I mean, he was being very honest. He was like, it was a bad, it was a bad performance. You know, the guy just ran. Um, he had a lot of out of the ring issues fighting at home. He's like, I never want to fight at home again. Um, so, you know, a lot of it was laying it on, on, you know, the, the, the fact that he was fighting at home, partly on his opponent, but he said the same thing, you know, I mean, he, he, he was very honest about his, his pre preparation as well. He's like, I didn't prepare for somebody who was going to move. All my sparring partners are in front of me. We thought we were going to have to bang. Um, he just didn't have a, 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 a game plan B, which I mean, at this level, it's weird. I, you gotta be able, I mean, listen, he's not the first guy to run from you. And he just, he showed no cutting off the ring ability. Uh, he, he, no, ur the urgency didn't come until like the last couple rounds, which is what I think won him the fight. He's, and really, he won the fight on body language because neither one of them landed <laughs> in punches. So, dude, they they set a record: least amount of punches landed in a twelve-round title fight. They broke a record that I thought would never be broken: Casemiro and Rigondeaux, which is regarded as probably the worst fight ever. Like they landed eighty-four total punches. Rigondeaux and, and Casemiro landed ninety-one. So yeah, it was. You know, statistically, you know, that's not the end-all be-all. It's not a record you want to hold. It was literally they yeah. landed the least amount of punches in a title fight, and we're talking a 40-year history of CompuBox. Well, at least that's a testament to both of them in terms of their power. The least amount of punches landed, both guys dropped each other. So at least yeah. at least they could punch. It did have, like, yeah, it's weird, because it had, like, started off with, like, oh, this is going to be, a like, a, a shootout. And I think you actually said that on air. And I was like, yeah, it yep. is, because the thing we knew about Zorilla is that he was a heavy-handed he fighter. Punch. And obviously, we've seen Progre in his career enough. But from Progre, it felt like he just, like, didn't want to engage. Uh, it felt like he was throwing jabs from, like, five feet away. Way too far and away, And if yeah. he did cut off the ring, he wasn't making it making Zorilla pay. Like, he, he wasn't engaging. It's almost like he knew that he had some big fights down the pipeline, <laughs> and he didn't want to get cut. He didn't want to get hurt. He didn't want to get into a firefight. 
like I said after the fight, like put this guy in big fights. I've been saying this for a while now. He's 34, 35 years old. He's had a very up and down career. Like his biggest fights came four years ago. We, we've talked at length about all the promotional issues he's had. Okay, now you're with Matchroom. You chose Matchroom. These hometown fights are very tough for all the stuff outside of the ring, tickets and you know, everything that comes with fighting a hometown fight, Chris, you know all about that. And then you got a tune-up fight when you have already been a champion before. It's just a, lot, a perfect storm for him where I feel like he doesn't need to be in these tune-up fights anymore. He should be fighting Matias, Teofimo, Haney, Broner. I'll just name names, like fights that he's going to get up for because hometown fights, tune-up fights for a guy at this stage in his career aren't going to do him any favors. And he gave us a dud where now we're questioning where does he stand at 140. In his defense, which I'm not going to give him any defenses in terms of this performance, was he was supposed to fight Liam Paro. And completely different style, southpaw, um, guy who would have engaged probably more and, and probably would have been there to get hit a lot more. Um, but regardless, you gotta you, you gotta perform, especially at home, man. I mean, listen, I've had some I've had some some stinker performances at home too that not stinker, but they just didn't I didn't perform well. Um, but you got to make a fight out of it. At least try to make the fight. You know, if the guy's not willing to engage, just you know, get out there. But I, I think he, I think he got buzzed early. I think he realized how dangerous. Listen, that guy, Zorio. I mean, he Zoria. He can, uh, he can really punch harder than I expected. Actually, he, the punches that he was throwing ringside were ver- looked very dangerous. I can't believe that he didn't fight like that when he fought Barbosa. I called that fight as well, and he didn't. He didn't look like the same guy at all in terms of his style, moving around the ring, and yeah. in terms of his power. If he had that power that he was showing on on Saturday night with Barbosa, that fight could have been a very different fight. But yeah, I mean, I I think that Regis could have done more, should have done more, but like you said, was p- probably protecting what's coming down the pipe. You know, what it reminded me of like this is a kind of like a, a deep cut reference, but uh, Jamel Herring he fought Jonathan Aquendo before when he had the Frampton fight lined up. And they had that nasty cut, and he kind of, I wouldn't say the word quit, but even though Bradley said he quit, he, like, found a way out of that fight and because he knew that he had a Frampton career payday coming. Um, same thing for Progray. Like, he knows he has a big fight coming. Like, that's the whole plan was when he signed up Matchroom was to fight uh, Haney if he comes there or, or do cross-promotion fights, big ones, which he should be in now because, like I just said, he needs to be in big fights. He's almost 35. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. <clears throat> but it lead me to believe, or lead me to ask this question for you, Chris. It's who is now, what's the top five at 140? It's a, it's a beautiful thing that we're seeing all these big fights at 140, like week after week, it seems like. Um, and now we can kind of mix and match. We're going off of legitimate performances to make our top fives. So what do you think is the top five at 140 coming off of that pro-grade performance? Real quick, I'm going to defend Jamel Herring because <laughs> I have a little inside track on what you're talking about. So that fight where with Aquenda when he had a lot of trouble, he was dealing with some late long-term COVID, some long COVID. Mm. So I interviewed him in my book. There fighter. it is. Plug. So you want to be a fighter. And he went he went into length into that in terms of um, 
you know, how we felt going into the fight, his training camp, I was affected. We couldn't breathe a lot of that. And then also the the backlash that he took after that fight, which made him want to retire yeah. because of how bad he felt. He thought he was never going to be able to get back to his endurance, get his endurance back. He thought maybe this was a forever thing, not just a short term thing in terms of how he was feeling it in his lungs. And then also the backlash that he got on Twitter because of how the fight was because of people saying that he quit. But back to the question at hand, the 40 pounder. So <clears throat> listen, I, I still have pro grade where he was. I just don't have him as being the man in the division. I got Tiafimo as the man in the division, but Tiafimo is technically out of the division. He, I don't you know. know. I, I don't know if he's retired. I, I saw him at Spence Crawford. Me and Ronnie were there. So we saw Tiafimo and I was like, looked over to Ronnie and he was holding court. I was like, hey, does that look like a retired fighter? Nope. No, no. Listen, he's not retired, but he's going to be out of the running for a bit. He's got some some personal issues to deal with in terms of you know, his relationship stuff, money stuff, like a lot of stuff he's got to deal with. So I don't think we're going to hear about him like entering back into the ranks for a bit. So in the time being, I'm, I'm going to not consider him as, as a viable guy in, you know, at 140, uh, because he's not going to fight for a long time. Bro, I, do you, I still have him one though. Yeah, no, he's, he's the, he is the man. Yeah. I, I had, a, I had a question about him or him or program after yeah. this weekend. I got him. Yeah. That being said, Josh Taylor would be another guy that would I would still have in the top three. But he's moved up, though. But he's out, right? Yeah. So he's out. Sorry. So he is comp- he is absolutely out of, out of the top because he's going to one forty seven, which I think is a smart move. Um, Progray right there, you know, Progray is the number two three guy. Um, I have him and Ramirez probably sharing the 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 number two spot together. Wow. I got Tio number one. I got him and I dude. I, Ramirez is a really what about really Matias? Matias is he is going to be the he's going to be my number my number four okay. based on being outside of the you know the two three the, the, the two position is going to be held by program Ramirez. People are writing off Ramirez just because he hasn't been in the news and the, because of the fallout with the fight with Regis. But mm-hmm. hey, money's a real thing and you got to be you got to be conscious of that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, number five, number five, who else we got a four? Catterall. Because we got so many guys coming up. Yeah, I can't put Haney in this yet. I can't put no, Ryan can't, Garcia no. until they, in this. Until they fight at forty, I can't put him in there. So, so I'm probably gonna have like a like a Barboza Catterall. Yeah, I, I would have Catterall ahead of Barboza, um, based Me on too. the performance of Josh Taylor and because of I mean he's he he's he's done quite well in his career against you know not the elite competition. He's always he always performs well. So I'm definitely gonna have Catterall. Yeah, Catterall will be my my number five. But I wouldn't mind seeing him and Barbosa just to see who's gonna get that next spot. Because listen, when when everyone's this good in a weight class, you're fighting to move up a position. Yeah. Like you're not like it's not like Catterall beats Barbosa and then he's number two. It's like he beats Barbosa and now he's number five. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's that's the kind of that's the kind of division that we're talking about. But yeah, I think it's all very very tight in that top grouping. Matias just outside of Ramirez and Progre, and then Tio. How do you not have him as the man after this past two weekends? Yeah, I got Tio number one. I have Matias too. Um, oh, because I, I I think he's that damn good, and I just I'm going off of recency bias here. Matias looked great in his last fight, even though it was a while back. He looked better than Progre. Taylor is out of the picture, so I got. Mat- Taylor, uh, excuse me, I got Tiafimo 1, Matias 2, Progre 3, Catterall 4, Jose Ramirez 5. Uh, and then just on the outside looking in are our fighters like Gary Antoine Russell, who uh, has a perfect knockout ratio but just hasn't fought a lot because feels like a lot of PPC guys are, are not fighting as much as they should be. Um, and, you know, Sandor Martin. Barboza is interesting because if Tiafimo did text uh, Paco over at WBO and said, uh, I'm giving up my title – 
but you got to do more than just a text. Like there's like paperwork yeah, now. Yeah, so we'll true. see. I still don't believe him. Like he's telling us I'm retiring. I'm telling us he's telling us that I'm giving up my belt. But I, there's still people out there that just don't believe it. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because Barboza is number two at the WBO, so he may get a title shot now if if Tifimo does like legitimately give up his titles. And I think Ramirez is highly ranked at WB by the WBO. So there's a lot of like good fi- uh, fighters in this division, and this isn't even br- talking about some of the guys that are going to be moving up, um, like Haney and, and Ryan Garcia officially. Uh, you know, Rolly's not in our top five. Um, so that's what's going on at 140. Over this weekend as well, did you catch Tim Zhu absolutely destroying Carlos Ocampo, blowing up my parlay right in my face? <laughs> I picked the over um, Progre uh, Zaria, um, which hit. And then I was like, all right, Zoo with the with the dog bite, you know, he the Ocampo has put together some good performances since he got sparked up by Spence a few years back. I was like, this got decision written all over it. Nope. Zoo had other intentions, took out Ocampo. Now this fight with Charlo is even bigger. I love it. Obviously, I wanted to see that Charlo uh Zoo fight last year, but this is like the one case of marination that I can actually like because Zoo is getting more and more uh experience. The fight is getting bigger. I think it's at its biggest right now. Tim Zhu and Charlo. What would you make of uh, Zhu's destruction? You should have asked me before you made that parlay. I would have had you stop. I would have had Zhu stop in Ocampo quite early. I the odds weren't there, un- though. Super impre- unimpressed with Ocampo. I mean, yeah. aside from his one other step-up fight when he got sparked out against Spence to the body. Dude, even in this fight, he did, he looked so out of sorts. He's just not world class at any means. He's in over his head so much, and and I, and I I am very high on Zoo. I think Zoo is a very very good fighter. He's he's probably the best, most fundamentally technically sound Australian I've ever seen. Even oh. though obviously he's you know classed as his son, but born and raised and coming out of Australia, he's the most technical fundamental fighter I've ever seen come out of Australia. He's he is I think and I think his physicality. I, obviously he's got the genes. His you know his dad's a legend. Um, yeah, I think he's very very talented, and I think he's streaking towards this Charlo fight. And I agree with you. I think I think this the fact that this fight is happening now makes this a much more competitive fight. And honestly, by the time that fight happens, I don't say I think that I think that Zoo could be the favorite. No way. I had this I written down. I, I know that Porter said it uh, in he was Porter was in Australia on the call. Um, I caught a little bit of your interview with Porter. I, I didn't get the whole thing. I know he said that Zoo is the favorite. I mean, he's not going to be the favorite uh, in by the books because he's just it just Charlo's going to be a slight favorite. But I know I, what you're saying. I said that I had I had Charlo as a slight slight favorite favorite. Yeah, but I, I think by the time they get there, depending on 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 what happens in the meantime, I, I certainly think it might be a smart bet. Like this was it. If you could, if you're listening, I'm doing something with my hands here. Uh, Charlo Zoo last year at this time, they were I thought they were still like a, a miles apart in terms of pedigree and where they're at in their career. Charlo sitting out with the hand injury now, and you got Zoo fighting Harrison. You got Zoo fighting Ocampo. Uh, big fights, main events now on, on Showtime. Gaucher and too. Terrell Gaucher. Gaucher too, yeah. Like two or three fights Gaucher. here where he's able to get some experience. Like, this fight's a lot closer now. Like, I don't know if I would make Zoo the favorite, but he is a live dog, and this fight's huge. And I and I can't wait for it to better happen this year. Uh, towards the end of the year, put an exclamation point on what's been a phenomenal year. But, yeah, I'm not ready to make Zoo the favorite, but it's damn close now. Yeah, I wouldn't have as a favorite. Like I said, I I would still favor Charlo, but I would put money on Zoo. 
that's that's how close I think it is. Even if you know if if uh, if Charlo is the favorite, I would I would put money on Zoo. Yeah, why not? I mean, I I, I sprinkled some money on Spence because Spence right now is technically the underdog against Crawford. So I put I which put, very well could change as we get closer to fight. Well, that's why I did it. I can cash out yeah. and, and lose potentially lose like twenty bucks, but like I'm, I'm sticking with that Oof. bet. Dude, twenty for you? That's, that's tough. That's that's lunch for me. I got all hungry that not, day. That's not lunch, dude. You're in New York City. That's a Starbucks. Yeah, that's true. That's one one small Starbucks. Uh, what else? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You want to talk about Canelo Charlo? Um, last week we were talking about Badu Jack. Uh, she Badu Jack exposing Charlo, saying not only did he want a catch weight, exposing Canelo. Excuse me, yes, exposing Canelo. Not only did Canelo want a catch weight, he wanted to fight me at uh, with a rehydration clause. He wanted to fight me at one eighty. So I love uh, Badu kind of throwing Canelo under the bus. And even told him on top of it, why don't you go fight Benavides like we all want to see? But I don't think Canelo's fighting Benavides. Uh, according to ESPN um, Deportes, uh, Canelo is fighting Charlo next in Houston in September. Jamal Charlo, who has not been in the ring in 700-plus days. I'll ask you, Chris. Even coming off of a 700-day layoff and the declining Canelo Alvarez, is Charlo a threat to Canelo? Yeah, he is because he's stylistically and because of, you know, who he is. I mean, he's, he's a great fighter. He's still undefeated. Um, I, I would still favor Canelo in this fight based on the based on Canelo being Canelo and, and the fact that Charlo hasn't been in a big fight or in a fight in a long time. But, um, I mean, Canelo, I, I, again, this is another I'll believe it when I see it because – there's been a lot of talk about Canelo's next opponent. It was going to be Edgar. Ber- it was going to be Bivol. It was going to be Edgar Berlanga. It was back to Bivol. Then it was going to be uh, uh, Badu Jack. Badu Jack, and then Badu. I, I mean, I was disgusted when I heard the details of the Badu Jack deal last episode. We were talking about it. Yeah. I was like, "Stop it! What are we even doing?" And why, then we found the details. Even, yeah, and then now we've actually been confirmed. So, um, yeah. But, but listen, I'm not mad about the fight. Which fight? I mean, I, I, about Canelo and and Charlo. Oh, I like I'd it. Rather him, I'd rather him be fighting Benavides. I think that was a smarter move. Um, you know, but yeah, I didn't ever like the Bivol fight. I liked the Benavides fight. I thought that it was it was daring to be great for for Canelo. I thought it was actually winnable too. Um, not saying he was going to win, but it was winnable. But Charlo, it'll get enough people interested. It'll get Charlo out of quasi retirement. Which is good. Seven hundred days is crazy. He's a great fighter. That is that is crazy. That's um, like oh my! I, we've seen three hundred day like we've seen year layoffs. We've seen sixteen months, which is like I think Spence, seven hundred. I mean, yeah. and he's not that's been, like a Chris Algeria layoff. That's crazy. <laughs> so when Chris comes back in the ring when he's forty five, you know, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, 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 I'll surpass that. I've had I've had multiple double year layoffs. So wow, it must it's, be. It's got to be so hard. And Jamal, I, you know, I've, we've heard you know bits and pieces of personal life issues and all sorts of things going on in his, in his personal life, obviously. But, like, he's not going up to – I say obviously because it, it, he's not choosing to sit out for, for that long. There are things happening out in the outside of, of his life that are preventing him from being in, in the ring. Um, but 
now we're looking at our Charlo Jamal, who's never fought at 168. We talk about this on the show all the time. Meritocracy does not exist because if you went by meritocracy, Canelo Benavides was has been the fight for the last year. You know, uh, Benavides has been the number one ranked WBC guy forever. He was a two-time champion. I understand he lost it his belts for things outside of the ring, weight and, and drug use. But, like, Charlo has never fought at 168. <laughs> Hasn't fought in 700 days. Okay, here's your reward. You get Canelo. And it kind of goes against everything Canelo was preaching to us for a, a while, and that was what? Uh, you have to earn your chance at a fight with me. Uh, Charlo, you need to fight Benavidez, or Benavidez, you need to fight Plant, and the winner gets me. And now he's just going to pick Charlo. Like, there's a lot you can pick at this fight and, like, poke holes at it. But with that being said, like you just said, like I'd much rather watch Canelo fight someone closer to his weight. If it's not going to be Benavidez, I'd rather watch him fight Charlo over Belanga, and I'd much rather watch Canelo fight Charlo over Bivol at 168 or 175. But that being said, on top of it, I still think all those guys are still in the running. Like I, I would not be shocked if they end up with Bivol. I would not be shocked if it's Berlanga, especially if he knocks out Quigley. And I would obviously not be shocked for Charlo because I think that's the, the, the favorite of all these fights. I think Berlanga has a chance to steal the show. I agree. If, if, if he puts on a good performance this weekend, if he, if he gets Quigley out of there in an explosive, sensational fashion, I think we see Canelo Berlanga in the fall. If not, I, I'm going to lean towards a Charlo fight actually taking place. But you talked about meritocracy. Apparently, in meritocracy, like if we're talking about just literally performance, uh, it's that's not enough either. Because apparently, economics isn't enough either. Because I think the Benavides fight economically probably made the most sense too. Oh, that definitely. Fight, that's a that's a massive, massive fight. This Charlo fight, not the same, not the same economical success i would think that benavides would be i mean you no. get the mexican fan base um but with charlo i don't know Char I, two I, years I ago know. this was the fight oh yeah but like now... during covid like when when canelo beat um Yildirim, and then he was going on to beat uh bj saunders i remember saying after the Yildirim one i was like i want him to fight charlo i understand charlo's at 160 but he's a bigger guy that's the fight to make it was before benavides was in the picture benavides was coming i think he just lost his title on the scale in the summer of 2020 so i was like canelo charlo this is a massive showtime pay-per-view a, a, a u.s pay-per-view cinco de mayo whatever do it on september 16th but now i like this i still give charlo a pretty good shot because i think canelo's on the decline but you can't just sneeze at the 700 days off. You can't, like, he's got nothing behind him. No momentum in the ring. No momentum outside of the ring. It, it It's a lot going on. But it also shows you how Canelo is, I wish all fighters had this, where he's not beholden to one network or one promoter. Like, Berlanga and Bivol are obviously the matchroom route. You know Al Heyman is saying, hey, Charlo first, then Benavides. We'll pay you $100 million. Fight on Showtime and do big number. You know, we have a better pay-per-view system than zone. So, on one hand, I hate this. <laughs> but all these these names and all these choices. On the other hand, I'm like, all right, it's pretty cool. I kind of wish, like, all fights work this way where you're not beholden to a network or a promoter. Well, if, if, when you're the face of boxing, and that's what Canelo is. I mean, he is the cash cow. You can you can make these super fights happen. That's really what it is. Because it's not, it's not like rankings anymore. Because... Nobody cares about the 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 mandatories. They want to see the super fights when you have a super champion like like Canelo. Um, you get these 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 kinds of matchups and match, uh, kinds of fights. I, I'm not mad about the fight either, but like I, I not I'm not gonna lie, Dan. I'm a little checked out on Canelo's opponents. I'm yeah. just waiting. 
happen or don't happen. I don't know. I don't like all the back and forth. I don't like getting excited about this, getting getting angry about that, and then none of it happens. It's it's a, it's a lot of push pull that I don't really like. Um, so if it's gonna be Charlo, cool, make it Charlo. Let's let's, let's get it done. Right. If it's gonna be Berlanga, boom. Yeah, it's gonna be Berlanga. If it's gonna be Benavides or 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 Bivol or whatever. But yeah, but I'm gonna say I think it's either gonna be Charlo or Berlanga based okay. on this weekend. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna have to pick someone soon because we're almost in in july and he's gonna fight in september for all the promotion stuff but berlanga this weekend i think is gonna be a, a big uh sticking point or i think it's gonna be a, a big indicator Hearn, you know wants to to make that fight and keep canelo at match room um so that's one th- yeah i would love for us to come on the show next week and there's an actual announcement like we're not speculating we're being like, all right this is the fight it's happening this date uh, this is what it's going to be. Let's break it down. Let's try to figure out if Canelo still still got it. But until then, we're trying to figure it out because Canelo still is the guy in boxing. This is like Mayweather. Remember when Mayweather would have four or five opponents uh, on his list, and we would discuss it at length or try to figure out who's the best one, whether it was Maidana, whether it was Khan. They were, like, arguing with themselves, Maidana and Khan. Facebook polls. Well, Remember but a that? a lot of things change. You know, a lot of things change as you get closer. Like, for example, like the Amir Khan fight. There was... They, it was supposed to be Amir Khan until he fought me. And yeah. then he, I mean, essentially got beat up by me. So they were like, well, all right, well, I'm not going to, not going to fight. Do you have a source on that? Khan now. What's that? So do you have a source on that, that you, you beat up Khan? You? Uh, yeah, me. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> my, I still got bruises on my hands from that day. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that fight was the fight they were talking about. And then that performance happened and they were like, well, nope, that's going to, that's, that we're not going to do that fight anymore. Um, you know, that's just that's just kind of how it goes with these guys because we're all waiting to see who they're going to fight, and they 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 can pick. That's yeah. what I mean by being the face of boxing. Yeah, Floyd was the face of boxing then. Canelo's the face of boxing now. So um, that's you know that that's how it goes. When when you hold that crown, this is this is positions that you're in, and we as fans will sit there like guppies waiting for whatever's <laughs> going to drop. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's in like Milan, Italy right now, Canelo, and it's some like uh, for him. fashion He deserves thing. it. Yeah, he's just not even caring one bit. They're gonna get a text like from from uh, Eddie Reynoso, like, "Hey, it's Charlo. Okay, <laughs> see see you at the gym in a few weeks." Yeah, yeah the- <laughs> that's also what I love about him. I think he'll he he wants to fight everybody. I don't think he, yeah. you know, he's he's used to that. Yeah. So uh, one two fighters or one fighter isn't waiting on on Canelo believe it or not is David Benavides. Um Dan Refio reported that he's fighting Morel in September or October not so fast as David Benavides. He mm-hmm. screenshotted I was actually on the screenshot I don't know if you saw that like cuz I tweeted Dan's news, Dan Refio's news. I said according to Dan Refio Benavides and Morel have agreed to a fight. Um then David Benavides like kind of screenshotted and put it on a story and goes false like this is not happening. He's saying, I'm not fighting Morel. We're looking at Munguia. So I think this is just like a steep decline. Like Benavidez had that that fake $50 million offer for, for Canelo. Uh, then we had this Morel news everyone was excited about because I think Morel Benavidez is like a throwback type of fight and it can establish who's the best at 168 underneath uh, Canelo. And now we're going from Benavidez to Munguia, which I still think is a fun fight. But it's not like, all right, if you're going to dangle Benavides Canelo, you're going to dangle a Morel fight, and then we're going to settle on Munguia. Like, I kind of understand where Benavides is coming from, but I would much rather see him fight Morel, which I think would be awesome. When I first heard that that, that fight was going to happen, I was like, wow. Right? That's surprising. One, I was like, that's awesome, because you basically have two guys that no one's lining up to fight, fighting each other, getting looking for the shot against the face of boxing, Canelo Alvarez. Um, 
But I also thought like, that's kind of a funny fight to make. That's a very dangerous fight, especially for Benavidez, who's much closer to a fight with Canelo than, than Morel is. Morel's looking for his breakout win. So the, the Benavidez fight makes a lot of sense for him. He he goes in, he's 25 years old. I mean, they're both super young. Um, he's probably going to be at 68 for a long time. Benavidez, I don't think, is going to stay here too much longer. He's already hinted about moving up to 75. Talking so about cruiserweight that, too, Benavides. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to stay at 68 for too much longer. He's he's hanging around for the Canelo fight, which is smart. But uh, yeah, and and then when I heard that it wasn't happening, I was like, all right, that, that makes a lot more sense. You know, Benavides is he's in a tough situation because he was so close to getting the Canelo fight. He's been calling the guy out for so long, um, and then you know that falls through, and then this fight gets brought up, which not sure why I was you know put out there that this fight. Well, was Samson Lukowitz said it. That's his manager. He confirmed it to Dan Rayfield. So hmm. Lukowitz and Benavidez are probably uh, one hell of a yeah, phone call. I wouldn't imagine they're at, they're at it. They're at ends. Yeah. Um, but then the Mugia fight, nobody's gonna like it, especially off of the the uh, his past performance against Dervinchenko, who is an actual middleweight. So Mugia's first fight at 68 was against a middleweight in Dervinchenko. He struggled really badly early on, finished strong to pull out a very close fight. Um, Good performance in the fact that he had to dig deep and overcome someone with, with, with vast amount of experience, but also is a 37 year old middleweight. Yeah. Benavides is literally the opposite. Yeah. He is a huge 68 pounder. He's 28 years, uh, 25 years old, and he's a stud. So I, I wouldn't favor Munguia to make that even a competitive fight against, no. against Benavides. Benavides is awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that, uh, that, um, yeah, that, that, that fight doesn't interest me or most people. But I get why they're doing it, though. Benavides is coming off of his own pay-per-view against Plant where he was the A-side, and now he's waiting for a Canelo shot. Why would you fight Morel? This is a slick Cuban fighter, Southpaw. Like, it makes no sense to fight him. I was shocked when I saw that news. Uh, it makes not a lot of sense for Morel either, but it makes even less sense for, for Benavides. So they're like, okay, let's find a, a guy that we can potentially beat who has a big fan base in Munguia, a big Mexican fan base. Uh, we can. It's a commercial fight, and we will we'll most likely win. So I understand it from a building career standpoint. Um, but that's the latest with Benavidez, Morel. These are all, all these topics are kind of all intertwining, like Canelo, Charlo, Benavidez, Morel. These are all guys that I think are going to uh, be at 168 for at least the next year, and hopefully we see them all, all fight each other. Another 168 fight uh, will end with this. Weekend picks and predictions. You'll be on the call once again on the zone. Let's rifle through it. Uh, Berlanga, Quigley. I think Berlanga's going to get him out of there. Quigley got stopped by Boo Andrade in the second round. Boo as we know, is not a big puncher. Uh, or, you know, you've seen his fights all play out a lot the same. I like Berlanga with a stoppage inside of 12. I disagree that uh, Boo is not a, a, a good puncher. I knew you were going to disagree. I've been in the, but it's not what he's known for. It's not what he's known for. Uh, no, of course, sure, sure. But, I, you know, I, I've sparred with him. I've seen him in the gym. I've seen him sparring. I've seen him hit, hit everything. You know, he's hit me. <laughs> you know, the guy can really punch. He should, and I, I, I've said this on the show before. Guys who get knockouts, it's not always about just the power. It's about the mentality. And, and Bubba doesn't have that mentality of a guy, but he can punch, and he hurts everybody in the beginning of a fight, and then he just take, takes yeah, over. Yeah, that's what I meant. I meant he starts, yeah. his fights are carbon copies. He has comes out fast. At the Quigley fight, he knocked him out. And all the fights we've seen after that for Andre, and he starts fast, knocks the guy down early, and cruises. But think about how many of those guys he could have stopped early <laughs> as well and just didn't, you know, right. just, listen, getting getting a stoppage or not getting a stoppage is, I mean, can happen based on many different different factors. So we got Quigley out of there. 
Um, I don't know if Quigley would be able to come back the way a lot of the other guys did. That guy, like Smith did. That guy, that guy, I mean, he got dropped bad early and then came back to fight really, really well against against uh, Demetrius. So I don't know if Quigley has that in him, per, you know, exactly the same, but whatever. Um, yeah, I, I got I got Berlanga stopping Quigley too, but I think it's going to take a couple of rounds. I think he, he gets him in those mid to late rounds. Um, Quigley, I don't know how much he was trying to fight again when this fight came up, but it's one of those situations where you don't really want to pass it up and honestly i mean quigley could win the fight he's not a bad fighter um and berlanga has as of recently looked you know to struggle at times so um if quigley has a performance of a lifetime you know he he could win the fight but i, I don't see that i think i think edgar's gonna get and get him out of there and potentially set up for a canelo fight in yeah i think berlanga has to get a knockout in this fight this is like his last chance as weird as that sounds for a guy that's 25 but he signed with matchroom to make a canelo fight so He's got to look really good, and I, I expect him to. I think Quigley's a perfect opponent for him to look good uh, against. Over, yeah, it's a pretty good card over on the zone that you'll be on the call of. Uh, Konaki's on it, Rashad Mati. There's some good fights on that. There's also some fights on Showtime. Kind of a weird main event. Uh, it shows you what's going on at 160. It's a lot of uh, people have left the division. Golovkin has vacated all of his titles at 160. Uh, his last one was this week. But Carlos Adamas, who I think is one of the better 160-pounders that left of the group was facing Julian J rock Williams, who spent a lot of time at 154. Like I, I like Adamas in this one, but I think J rock had maybe have a few tricks up his sleeve, but I would say Adamas maybe late stoppage. I haven't really thought about how it's going to, how it's going to end. Maybe Adamas money line. I would put on that one and Berlanga KO. That would probably be my parlay. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of J rock. Uh, we had him in the gym to spar with Danny Jacobs during one of our fights. We were yeah. preparing. Seems like for... a cool dude. Oh, very cool dude, but also just like I've got a good boxing mind, and um, he's got that Philly style. He he's picked up a lot of really, uh, really nice tricks in there. He's got a lot of experience. Um, with him, it's just the physicality, you know. As a fifty-four, as a fifty-four pounder, he was very skilled. Obviously, he won the title, but um, you know, fell short on a, on a couple fights, more more based on his chin than anything. So him going up and fighting a guy like uh, Adamas, you know, at a higher weight class, Adamas is a beast. He's a big guy. Um, strong guy, young. Um, he was also coming up from 54, actually coming up from 47, yep. you know, yeah. uh, early in his career, but he's a, he's a, he's a big dude. Um, I would lean, Oh yeah, I would lean towards Adamas getting, getting the win in that fight, but I wouldn't be surprised if the, uh, the old dog had one, one, one trip, more trick up his sleeve to, to pull out a, uh, uh, an experience level victory, uh, out of there. Yeah. I think that would be my parlay. So we haven't officially sent it to, DraftKings, but I think I'd go Berlanga stoppage, um, Adamas money, money line. That should yeah, be that, that should that get would, that plus. Be a smart yeah, I think that should be plus odds too. Um, lost my one last week, obviously freaking zoo. Um, but been on a pretty good run so far. Uh, enjoy New I York had zoo. You know, what turned me off was uh, Calderon and uh, GSL. I thought GSL was going to get the stoppage. Um, I pred- I actually predicted um, the upset and the. Uh, um, the Guzman Ali fight. Oh wow! I just thought that brutal was brutal knockout. Oof, yeah, brutal fight. That fight was, I mean, incredible back and forth. No one should ever question Rama Ali as she's a fighter. She she fought a hell of a fight. Tried to get up even at the end. Very very tough fight. Guzman, I think, is actually a very special fighter. So so I don't know if you know about this. When she fought for the title against Mercado, she had broken her forearm in the first round. Oh wow. And fought really well. If you watch at the end of the first round, because I do a lot of tape review when I call fights. If you end of the first round, you see her rolling her arm and forearm. She had actually fractured her forearm, which I'd never heard of in a fight. 
um, had multiple surgeries after that to fix the arm. And the big question coming at this fight, was she going to be a, a two-handed fighter or not? And I think that was obviously answered because her right hand looked in, uh, very, very strong all night long. Yeah, so what a freaking knockout. I, what a knockout. Knockout of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, fight of the weekend for me. I mean, that was the best fight that I saw all weekend. Um, so I'm, I think she's actually going to be really special. I want to see her fight Mercado again and see what happens in a rematch if she has two hands. That's the beauty of boxing right now. Um, it's so deep that we're, you know, knockout fight of the of the weekend was an undercard fight uh, between Ramla Ali. I mean, uh, awesome, awesome stuff. All right, Chris, keep your hands up at all times, right? Protect yourselves at all times. Stay out of those DMs. Subscribe to us on YouTube so we can reach 20K. See ya.